Storyteller David here. You guys having fun? Great. Well, you know the fun doesn't have to end with the show itself. Check out our Instagram, fantasypantspod at instagram.com. And uh, hey, while you're at it, go ahead and rate us. Uh, tell your friends about us. Let everyone else join our pants party. Thank you much. Enjoy the episode. Despite your best efforts, things can still go so terribly wrong. This is a lesson our heroes have just been faced with, when last we left off in our tale. Despite some well-executed plans and some well-reasoned arguments, the three youngest cherry lights have been taken from Jules, ripped from his very arms, and delivered to his diabolical parents. On top of this, Sholay, Zebulon's grandmother, has confirmed that she's used her political might to ensure no agent will assist our heroes. And see their footage shown and their stories shown on the network. Having reached rock bottom, our heroes were met by Ada, the proprietor from the Ugly Coyote, who offered them a singular hope. He brought them back to the Coyote in a rush and told them that just inside awaits their only chance to have their footage shown and turn their situation around. What did they find as they pushed open those saloon doors? <laughs> well, dearest listeners, this is the part of the story where I come in. <laughs> well, here we are. Storyteller Oren is here. Storyteller Oren is here. Yes. Before we get to Storyteller Oren mm-hmm. being here, I want to talk about work. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, come on. All right, all right. So we're all working all right, together now. I'm going to give you a 60-second timer. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. We got a mystery on our hands. We got a mystery on our hands. Oh. Yes. So we all work at the same brew pub now. Yes. That's why I got to bring this to you guys. I need fellow investigators on the floor. Because there is a diabolical presence in our brew pub. You see, for the last few weeks, nay, months, a mysterious character has been sort of uh, uh, known to the kitchen staff. A legend unfolding over time. I, I'm, I'm really curious to know where he's going And we're with calling this. this character the Half-Cookie Bandit. You see, some <laughs> malicious Dude, presence. everybody. Some <laughs> malicious presence in this brewery has been taking half a cookie, it eating is- it, and leaving half. Dude, like... <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that I think I know exactly who the half-cookie bandit is. <laughs> I, I, am, I am a half-cookie bandit. I, 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 will, I will say, yesterday... Yes? Yesterday, I, I, I did see a half-cookie in Steven's hand. Dude. My God. That's not a secret. I... I <laughs> I don't, That's not a secret. I, I, I do that all the time. Everybody does that. Yeah. I'm not going to name names, but like... I don't, I we've don't, already named all the names we need. I'm not the only person who does that. I don't you know where that eat, half cookie ended up. You can't eat an entire one of those cookies. They're like face size. <laughs> he just admits it. No, I, I, I freely admit Ladies it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. This entire I podcast never, was a setup for this moment. I never hid this. We got him. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> all right, all right. What's the problem? 
Oh, no, it's funny. Oh, okay. I just, people are always asking, like, they're like, who has been doing this? Who ate half a cookie again? And half I'm like, the staff. And I'm half always the staff snarking. does that. But I've seen you. I've seen you do it multiple times. Which yeah, I don't of mind. course. No one I do minds. It. I it's freely just admit funny. it. It's just funny. Okay. I'm, I'm not hiding it. <laughs> I could name names. I can bring people down with me. Holy I don't give a fuck. Well, you know what? Bring them all down. No, I'm not going to do We're that. We're not done yet. Once we once we stop recording. Um, but yeah, all right. Sorry. We aired that out. It's out of the way. We have our culprit. So I guess we can move on with the show, can't we? So hold on, am I now like king cookie cutter and halfer? You're the cookie. You're the they're the half cookie bandit. I just That's think your now, new yeah. I just sub-name. think now everybody's gonna notice when you have a cookie, and they're <laughs> gonna and they're gonna make so... sure that you finish that fucking cookie. You're no, go I'm to... not. I'm not gonna eat a whole cookie. <laughs> you're gonna you go know to why? Stores. I'm gonna leave that half for somebody else, and somebody else is gonna come in <laughs> and grabs that half, and then somebody else comes in and cracks a new cookie in half, and they're like, well, no. oh look at that, Stephen cracked another cookie Guys. in half. Like no no no. There's like several people who are cracking cookies in half. No, if you if if everybody just eats half of the same cookie, that cookie will never go away. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep eating half. If you eat half of it. I just can't wait till this gets out. Is and then like Steven walks into like a grocery store and we see like the good cut in the back room security room and like a red light goes off and like Steven's like like image on the screen gets like blown up and like half cookie bandit and like red letters appears and they're like, we My God, he's here. We like, don't watch work in a grocery store. <laughs> when you go to one, this podcast is out there. We're famous now. Millions of listeners, probably. I don't look. I assume I'm popular. <laughs> Uh, You're not fuck. as popular as you think. We, 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 Damn it. <laughs> I mean, I will say we do have such incredible listeners that sometimes it feels like we have a million listeners. It's true. Nice. Picture's worth a thousand words, and a fancy pants listener is worth a thousand average listeners. And if anybody wants half a cookie, <laughs> yeah. if anybody wants half a cookie, just hit me up on Instagram. There we go. <laughs> Fantasy Pants Pod. Uh, send me your address, and I'll send you half a cookie. <laughs> oh. God. All right. All right. I've got, I've got plenty to spare. He's totally serious, folks. <laughs> with that done, uh, with that done, got one more little bit we got to run before we can get this episode going. And this is important. This is important for everyone. Uh, so, wait. Yeah, so the stage, the stage, blank minds, blank minds, gentlemen. My mind is empty. All right. See a theater. All right. See a loaded audience. You're the audience now. You're everyone. You're many people. You're looking at the stage, see a spotlight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step on out with my, my nice, uh, nice suit. I'm wearing a nice suit. I'm, got, I'm holding four golden trophies in the shapes of a, a large button each. Oh. Oh yes, because we are now looking at the, the first annual Fancy Pants Zippies. <laughs> what? Zip, Zippies, <clears throat> Grammys, Emmys, Zippies. I don't know. I, I do fannies. Panties? You like that better? The, yeah. The, the, yeah, I don't the think... fantasy panties. Fantasy, the, the fanny panties. I think fanny is a naughty word in some cultures, so... Shoot. Zippies it is! <laughs> <laughs> fantasy man zippies, we're here! I'm gonna step up to the microphone here. <clears throat> Thank you for coming, everybody. Thank you for coming. Uh, <laughs> you see, there are times in every master of dungeons life when they've got so much going on that they just lose sight of what's important which is to reward the players for their incredible ingenuity, creativity, role play, and just being overall fun dudes. And I, as perfect as I am, may have fallen into that pit hole in the last few episodes 
David's show. admitting that he was wrong. I'm doing it once. <laughs> He's also admitting that he gives I'm holding, out buttons I'm holding. just annually. I am, <laughs> I'm holding the, bu- the button trophies right now, and the audience members are currently speaking their minds over there. I could take these back in a heartbeat. I'll leave this bit so fast. <clears throat> so, without further ado, I'd like to award some buttons. Let me get the buttons. Hang on. They're not golden, but uh, imagine. We imagine this in this room. It's, it's like the whole game. David, the gold is blind in my eyes. <laughs> yes, they're so shiny in the spotlight on my head. Um, <laughs> now, I'm going to give out these awards to four people that are actually two people that greatly deserve them. <laughs> because we don't have a lot of contestants here in the Fancy Pan Zippies. Now. First of all, our heartfelt speech button. It's going out to Jeremy Wolf, everybody. Hey. Jeremy Wolf for his speech to Arhalon at the end of episode 20. Yeah. Amazing stuff. You played the character so well. You played Arhalon so well. And that last speech you gave was truly heartwarming. So sad that all went south. You played uh, Arhalon. Yeah, really apparently well. I played, you played Arhalon. No, you played Arhalon. You played, oh. you played him. I was Oh, well, got played. I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing him. Yeah, but you just you knew the character. You appealed to the character mm. in all the right ways. That's true. And that last yeah. speech you gave yeah. is beautiful. It was perfect. Okay. Take this golden button trophy. Oh, thank you. This mean this mean this is actually like one the golden button means three buttons, right? No. <laughs> Fuck. And that also that's that's also your entire speech. Get off the stage. Get out. Get out. <laughs> music cues. Yeah, we have more of these to go. We have more of these to go. The making me do more work button. I don't know why it's a thing. Mm, Goes to Steven Rodriguez. Steven Rodriguez for his making me improvise a letter mid-session out of nowhere because oh, yeah. he's a, he's yeah. a ranting, oh, yeah. raving madman. Yeah, Steven, that one was fun. Take your button. I'll take the button for that one. Guest speech. You get like one sentence. Um, I'd like to thank all the little people. That's it. All right. So we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. The callback that I loved button goes to Jeremy Wolf. Jeremy Wolf for his keep your eyes closed moment at the end of 21. Oh, yeah. That got me. I got so excited when you brought that callback. Take this button. You deserve it, sir. Pretty good. Great callback. Good overall stuff. Uh, Speech? I'd like to thank myself. All right, fantastic. (laughs) That's it. We're cutting here. Cutting here. Get out. And last but not least, we got one more button here. It's a weird one for the listeners, but it makes sense for you. This is our world's greatest detective, apostrophe after the S, button going to Steven Rodriguez for discovering the answer to a mystery that we're going to resolve in this episode. But he actually uh, figured it out in between weeks. So take that Mm -hmm. button, sir. You don't get a speech. We're done with this now. Bit's over. I dropped the button. Hang on. Had to grab Ford. Danny made her move. I am now. Oh, she was eyeing it. <laughs> she I was eyeing that button. Flush. You had flush with buttons. Zebulon has more buttons than Jules now. Whoa! Um, this calls for a celebration. Oh shoot! Yes, it does. Let's pop a bottle. Let's pop do a it. bottle. Okay. All o- right. Over over this mixing bowl that we have brought yes, into the have... into the studio. <laughs> <laughs> which, which realistically, I don't know. How, however big the mixing bowl is, is not going to stop a fucking beer volcano. It's precaution. Yeah. There we go. Here it comes. Ooh. Hey. Look at that. A normal bottle. Nice. Hey. Open normally. Not bad. Wait for it. Wait for it. We're good. All right. Cheers, gentlemen. And with your drinks in hand... 
Are you ready to continue our little tale? Ooh, I'll play. We're going to open Inside the Ugly Coyote. I'm going to say we step forward in time, maybe just a few moments. I think the scene we open on is actually like Zebulon sitting at a table. I think you have uh, the pangolin Jamal is kind of resting in front of you, looking kind of awkward. And this is sort of this just awkward, lingering quiet in the air around this table as you're waiting. Now, off to the side of the room, you see that uh, Ader has taken Storyteller Orin to have a sort of hushed conversation. Just, there's a lot of whispering, but the few raised words you can catch, you get the impression that maybe Orin has no idea who you are or why he's here. <laughs> you think about it, there wasn't a lot of time for Ader to just, like, bring this guy in. So he must have, like, showed up, get in my problem, and confound you. And so Orin's just here. Um, it's funny looking at the two because they really couldn't be any more opposite. They're figures. You have a storyteller, Orin, very, very lanky, very thin. Uh, and Ader is just a super heavy set, bulky, w- broad shouldered dude, um, almost like just, just like dwarfing him. Uh, but like the way they chat, it's not unfriendly. You can definitely tell they have a history together. But as these two are sort of having their, uh, their conversation in private, we pan. Back to Zebulon, whose eyes, I think, would linger towards a, a door to the back. Back to that same kitchen. And we sort of zoom past that door. To where Jules the Roach is delivering some very difficult news to the remaining Cherry Delights. Thanks, David. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jumping right yeah. into it, Jeremy. Oh, yeah, I'm pushing you in. Uh, right in the <sighs> deep end, we, we move into the room through the keyhole. We see Chester, Mulligan, Fibro, and Jeans all lined up. On the back wall, looking at you expectantly. Guys, we got some hard work ahead of us. It's not going to be easy. Jules, what? What happened? What happened out there? You, you said I could trust you, Jules. I, we, we can't let things lie like this, right? We, we can't. We got to go now. Jules, we got to go now. Chester, we're going to go. Chester, how long have we known each other? I, I know, I know we got a history, but man, Jules... When have I ever let any of you down? He just looks down and Jean speaks up. Jules, you've told us some stories about your parents. They're monsters, from what you said. Yeah. We can't leave them in their hands. What, We're what's not. What's happening to them? What's, We're not. What? We're not going to leave them there. Then what's the plan? What do we do? I don't know what the plan is yet. I don't know. We need to regroup. We need to figure out what's going to happen from here. But I... Miskin's with them too, Okay. Miskin you? is ten. He acts yeah. tough, but he—he's always had us to re- rely on. I, I can't. And Jean's actually just like walks out of the room. You see, Zebulon outside. You see the door open and slam shut. And Chester's inside. Looks at you, Jules. He's ah, uh, Jules. I, I'll go after. Her. I, I, look, look, Jules. Chester, Jules, he, he grabs Chester. Yeah. There's a there's a real chance that all of us could be dead right now. Okay. I know. I know. And right now, everybody's alive, including them. Okay? And we're going to keep it that way. I don't know how yet, but we're going to stay that way, okay? Jules, that guy out there, he's supposed to help, right? That's, that's Oren. I th- yeah. I, I've seen him on the Crystal Network, yeah. on, on, on the yeah. projections. Yep. He's a big deal. I mean... Maybe he can help us. I mean, that I I th- I think that's the plan. That's that's what we're hoping. That's that that seems to be what Ada thinks can happen. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We we we're connected with a guy like that. We can turn all this around. Just promise me one thing. All right. Anything. When things go down, I'm with you. Every step of the way. Okay. I don't want it any other way. All right. And he's got like his bow strung over his shoulder. He lifts it up proudly, you know, up towards his neck. He's a nod. I should go check on jeans. Yeah, go, go do your thing, okay? And he rushes out. Fibro and Mulligan both are staring down towards the ground. Fibro looks up at you. They'll be okay. They'll be okay. I promise you, they're going to be okay. And this is only temporary. There was nothing else. There's nothing else. He just nods. He steps to the door as well, opens it. Mulligan follows him out, just quiet, staring towards the floor. And the remaining cherry delights leave the room. Jules, uh, Jules sits on the bed and puts his head in his hands. And a few tears roll down. This is, it's defeat, it's breaking trust. This is not supposed to happen. A few moments later, uh, you hear a knock at the door, kind of disturbing you in your solitude. What? What? Hey, uh, Jules, it's Ada. Um, look, he's ready for you. All right. All right. And get up off the bed and walk out. Zebulon outside, you see Storyteller Orn is still kind of in that corner. And as Jules moves towards the table where you are, Orin nods to himself turns and moves towards you guys he steps over to the table and he sits down the other side you guys both sit I think you're already sitting Zebulon I, I imagined yeah quick question David yeah how does it feel to make a grown man cry <laughs> uh, you know I do be a monster sometimes all in a day's work huh yeah you know you, uh, as you sit down, Jamal the pangolin reaches out and uh, skitters onto your shoulder. Fuck. He just rests there. Oren takes us in. I think Aders. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you guys something to eat, right? Maybe some good drink. You guys hold tight, hold tight. He actually looks over and he's like, "Hey, Mulligan, mind come and help me out." Mulligan, huh? Uh, I guess I. Come on, come on. Let's get some work going. Get those hands moving. That's what we call God's breath grieving. <laughs> come on. Come on. And he takes him out back. And Mulligan actually almost seems like he perks up a little bit at the idea of, of getting into the kitchen, of getting some work, doing some work. And he, uh, they both move into that back room. The door closes. And it's just you two, your pangolin, and Storyteller Orin. The other cherry delights have all fled upstairs. Uh, Pepper, from what you've heard, is either out in the town or upstairs. You haven't seen him for a you know, hot minute. Joel you doing okay? Yeah. It'll be fine. Right, because I can... I mean, I can handle this if you need to... No. Okay. We do this together. You just let me know. I'm here for you. Alright. Oren's eyes are darting quizzically back and forth between you two. Now, uh... I can't say I know what your situation is. Aid to fill me in on a little bit, but... I don't know much. But I am sorry... Sounds like you've experienced a, a loss. That's hard. And if I can help, I will. But, to be perfectly honest with you fellas, Ada rushed me here out of nowhere. 
came to me and said that uh, y'all could help me with a certain situation I'm in. And in return, I could help you show some footage on the network. Now, I have privileges that other folks don't have. And if you guys really can't give me a hand, I'd be happy to help in any way I can. Ada says I can trust you to keep this quiet. And that's what I need. Subtlety. Discretion. You get me? Well, Mr. Oren, um, we do have some Please, footage. Please, just, just Oren. Uh, Oren. <laughs> Oren. We, uh... <laughs> And this is this is a superstar. Yeah, sitting across the table. This is probably a weird situation. Someone who Zebulon has watched on the Crystal Network. Yeah, both of you have I for don't, a long time. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think it phases Jules. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, basically, uh, Mr. Oren, the uh, some of the footage that we have, if uh, if shown on your marvelous network, uh, well. We'd be famous. We would be on the billboards, on cereal boxes. Uh, I mean, you can imagine the the whole nine. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. I hope, I hope that's true for your sake. I do. I heard Ada said something to the like. I think he was told by that jeans girl that's been working with him here. It's not just that though. There's some people that need to be exposed. Well. Might be I can help with that too. That's mighty tricky. And we'll get to that. But if y'all don't mind, I'd like to give you details on what I need before I give away too much. You understand? Like I said, discretion is very important here. As you might understand, I'm kind of a high profile figure. And the paparazzi guild is all over the place crawling after me. As long as this stays mutually beneficial, my ears are open. You've got my trust. All right. Well, to put this nice and simple, I'm going home to God's Breath in a few days. And I might need some bodyguards. That's my simple answer. The whole picture. Well, it's a story. <laughs> well, I'll start with this. He reaches into like his vest and he pulls out this envelope. Uh, just with this rustic, old-looking parchment paper. And tosses it onto the table between you guys. Give that a read, will ya? I want to get your opinion on it. I think Jules is gonna let Zebulon take it, but Jules—he's Jules, Jules is gonna <laughs> Jules, Jules is gonna scoot his chair over. Sure, I'll read it. Oh, it's really long. It's pretty long. I can also read it. Oh shit! Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. Give it a shot. If you, my, if my, you stumble yeah, too well, much, I'll take it back. If we waste six minutes doing this, then we can just. <laughs> I get on with this, Zeb. Y'all want me to read that for you? Oh, sorry. You meant out loud? Um. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Dear Uncle Oren, I know it's been a while since since I last wrote. It's been a longer while since you've written me back. It's okay. I know you're busy. With the Awakening Festival just around the corner, it felt like the right time to send you a letter. I just wanted to let you know that things have been going well for me here on God's Breath. I've seen you here and there when I pass by one of them projectors in Promise. You look good. The people around town ain't so keen on you these days. Always saying that you're selling our culture to the masses and making it big off something you don't own. 
Zebulon puts the letter down. This is... This is really tough to hear, Mr. Oren. Hey, nothing I ain't used to. That's not the important part. Keep going. Keep going. I can't say I know a lot about that, but I'm happy for you nonetheless. Now, I know you can't see me on any fancy crystals, so this paper is all I can send to prove that I'm all right as well. I've had some recent troubles, though. Old Den's farm in the ribbon has gone dead, like much of the others. It's getting hard to find work in Promise and in the surrounding land. Now, I don't want you worrying none, but I've taken up a job at the new farm in the Rattle. I ain't telling you whose farm or where it is. I don't need you sending folk to come and check on me or trying to haul me off world to the protection of your big diamond city. I mean it when I'm saying that I'm fine. The folk here are real nice to me, even when I mess things up here and there. Also, Cully's coming along to stay with me here. I just got a message from him yesterday that he's on his way. I'm hoping it can be just like old times. He says he misses you, by the way, and that he hopes he'll come to visit. No offense, Uncle, but I disagree with him there. I'd rather you stay in your city, making your show, and leave me to my painting and farming. A letter here and there wouldn't bother me none, though. With love, Kiana. Thank you. I'll take that back. You don't mind. Yeah, that was that was a lot. You can you can just have that. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Stephen. I didn't I didn't realize what. what I, <laughs> I was I was willing to read it, but I didn't want to, I wanted to give you guys a chance to do some talking too. I, I didn't I didn't really realize what was happening in that moment. Hell yeah, get that get, get, get that Zebulon, you know, feeling there. And it only took three minutes. <laughs> it's a long letter. It's a long letter. Um, but also, like, I couldn't just be like, it's five sentences and an actual letter, because that's stupid. And I'm trying to make a believable story here, kind of, sort of, ish. Uh, so Oren takes that back, folds it up. Well, that's the situation. Kiana's my niece, and though we may be somewhat estranged these days, I do have my concerns. Now, let me explain a little more. Yeah, no offense, Mr. Oren. It seems like a pretty normal letter to me. It seems like... Kiana maybe doesn't really want to see you. That is going to be a little bit of a problem, but not so much a problem as you might think. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Well, what's your concerns? Well, first things first. The rattle. What do y'all know of God's breath? Not a lot. Well, I, I, I can't say I know a whole lot about it either. I know that's where you're from. <laughs> yeah, well. An aider, too. It's a... Uh... It's got an air of mystery to the rest of the world, generally speaking. The people of God's Breath are uh, rather defiant towards the, the Crystal Network and towards the, the Concord in general. They like to keep their culture close to home. They're simple farming folks, staying away from the big cities and the tourists and all that. So how did you get to doing what you're doing? <laughs> Again, that's a story. And I'll, get to, I'll, I'll tell it, I promise. Because it has a lot to do with what I'm asking here. But first things first... Let's talk about God's Breath. Now, God's Breath is a beautiful farming country. Like I said, we got a small world, small population, one of the smallest amongst the Concord worlds. And it is gorgeous, pristine land for the most part. You have a central town of promise. And all around it is an area called the Ribbon, where we have many farms set up. Problem is, the Ribbon 
our beautiful farmlands has been dying. Every year the harvests are bringing in less and less with smaller gains. It's getting worse. No one knows how to stop it. And so people of God's breath are facing the, the real danger of starvation or over-reliance on the Radiant Citadel. And that is a terrifying prospect to my people. So some of these folk have decided to take a different direction. They want to help themselves. And I get it. So let me tell you about the rattle now. It's a wild, miscovered land beyond the ribbon, where the air smells always of metal, and the land shakes and screams beneath your feet. Many dangers lie in those woods. Dire coyotes, giant rattlesnakes, giant hard shells burrowing reptiles known as boulets. But there's more than that, more than the typical dangers you may find in the wilderness. There are tales and rumors of things out there in those lands. Dark things. Evil things. Whole farms and houses swallowed up by the land itself. A palpable malice pressing in on all those linger in the mist, driving them mad. I've spent my own time in the rattle. Used to explore it for fun. (laughs) Some things happened. Now I'm here. But that's not really what troubles me about this letter. There's something much more sinister. Something that truly scares me, shakes every bone in my body to its core. And I wonder if you can guess what that thing is. I guess I, I guess I didn't really notice anything too extraordinary. He nods, smiles a little bit. And says one word. Cully. That name. Cully. What's that mean? Cully's a boy. Boy I knew. Kiana's best friend in the whole world. Up till he drowned to death. Ten years ago. So, how is Cully gonna be on a farm in the rattle? My thoughts exactly. Now listen, this is why I got to keep this secret. My my niece, she's always had... Coley's death was a trauma. It was hard for her. She's always had a, a way about it since then. She's alienated from other people. I've tried to get her to come with me here, but she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't come where there's crowds. She always wants to stay alone. Alone where she could paint. Painting macabre images of... Events that she imagined, or thinks she imagined. Think she's in some kind of mental crisis? Might be. Look, I got one more story to tell you. This is a big one, but I'll make it quick. Long version can wait. All you need to know is that there's a land out in the rattle once known as Cradle Lace Lake. Used to be Cradle Lace Farm home to a, a large, happy family. During a, a terrible storm, a sinkhole swallowed the farmhouse whole and flooded, drowning the house in brackish muck. There are many a tale that say that the house's residents struggle to escape that pit. But the farm's owner, desperate to keep her family with her, dragged them back into the sinking house. In the aftermath, when neighbors arrived at the sinkhole's edge... 
All they saw were six pairs of severed undead hands struggling to escape the water and then sinking in. Gone. Lost. To the murk. In the years that followed, more tragedies befell those who came to Cradle Ace Lake. That's what they say. And that's... That's where Coley... That's where he passed on. So you think that he's come back as undead? I... I don't know. I don't think so, but from what Kiana told me, after the fact, after the the incident, he's like sweating now. Um, you're realizing that like maybe this is more personal to Orin than just a family matter. There's more to this tale. He's sort of wiping sweat off his brow. What she told me back then was that she saw hands through the water grabbing him, pulling him down, holding his head below till he was gone. Most folk think that maybe she just made this up. Uh, a factor of her guilt. She, she was there. She watched it happen, and, and I think that affected her, and she, hang on. He reaches into his sleeve, uh, jacket again, pulls out one more uh, rolled up parchment. That letter wasn't all I got. It's one more thing, too, and mind, I told you, Kiana, she's got a penchant for macabre art, right? She draws things, paints things that ain't, ain't pleasant to see. It's always been that way, so this, it shouldn't be too disturbing, but I don't know. It has me scared. He rolls out this painting, and you look at it, I imagine? Yeah. You see a painting that is beautiful, yet terrible in its realism. You see it is a portrait of a young woman. Her ebony skin and gaunt features showing a, a likeness to Orin that belies their, uh, or betrays their uh, family resemblance. As to her copper eyes, which are open wide in a visage of pure horror. A trickle of tears forming at their corners. Her head is wrapped in a red cloth with a number of thin black braids hanging down to her shoulders. Her mouth... Well, you don't see her mouth not beneath the hand pressing over half her face a hand large and bloated sickly gray and covered in spots of slick rot fingernails cracked and dirt filled Orn only looks at it for a moment before he wraps it up again and tucks it away too quickly trembling fingers as he pushes it into his jacket a little too rough you can see why I'm worried now either my niece may be getting worse in the mind and may need help or something else. But I can't. If she's... If she's... ill. I can't have these paparazzi guild members swarming over her. It's only gonna make matters worse. She don't deserve that. She wants to be away from the crowds, away from the fame. And if I go there with any real luminaries, any big, big names, anyone I can't trust, they'll throw her to the crowds. To those sharks. I need people who aren't known yet. I need discretion. She certainly has an aptitude for the fine arts. (laughs) (laughs) There's dead silent table. (laughs) 
<laughs> All we hear is the penguin sniffing it. <laughs> God. I'm sorry. I just have to recognize talent when I see it. No, she's brilliant. No, seriously. I mean, if her, her arts weren't so upsetting, <laughs> I'd make a pretty penny on them. Talent recognizes talent. Um. <laughs> and I should have put this before, but content warning listeners, we're going into the horror arc. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, boy. Here, here I was thinking we're just going to nice farming country. Gonna, gonna, gonna gallop through the wheat fields and all. Uh, and uh, then we're gonna fight a necromancer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the only way this is gonna work is if we all trust each other. Ada vouch for you. He's likely my best friend I have here on the Radiant Citadel, so I trust you too. And it sounds like y'all are in your own sort of pickle here, so I promise you help me with this and I will make sure to do everything in my power to get your names out. You want me famous? I'll make you famous. I'll make it happen, as long as this stays secret. I'm okay going into this being relatively unknown as long as you keep up your end of the deal and we don't come out of it that way. I promise. If half the things Ada says are true about y'all, and if that diamond you got is as promising as you make it sound, no way in hell you come out of this being unknown. Hater doesn't know the half of it. (laughs) I've got my own personal family business to take care of, too. All right. We take care of that. I don't know what that entails, but I'll do what I can to help, I promise. All right, we'll get there in time. All right. So uh, the door opens, and you see Ader bustles in with a steaming platter. He's got three bowls on it, like sizzling, uh, and little bits of spoon bread. Uh, He drops down like a crawfish stew in front of y'all. Saying y'all in my own voice now. Uh, I was gonna say, yeah, you're you're in character. <laughs> I can't. It's so hard to like disassociate. Uh, but he slides it over, and actually, Orin kind of steps up, like, "Sorry, old friend, but I actually gotta go. I got a lot to do today, and we only have a few days before leaving. But listen, folk, in three days' time, the Awakening Festival happens in God's Breath, and every year I take these days off, right?" So we got ourselves an opening where people won't expect me around on the network. It won't be strange for me to disappear for a while. While I never actually go back to God's Breath, as you can see, there's some contention that comes to me. Let's just say, uh, someone else does. You're probably wondering, how did Storage and Orin walk into this pub? And we aren't swarming with paparazzi, huh? I mean, I wasn't, but... Yeah, I, mean, I guess... Thought didn't cross your mind? Now that you mention it... Let me show you. And he looks at you for a minute and he's like, once again, stay secret, right? Oh, my God. Um, you see he takes off his hat for a second and he puts it back on. As he does, no way. he transforms, changes, and you actually see in front of you, suddenly rather than this skinny, uh, <laughs> this is very skinny, very tall, very gaunt man, you see a husky, uh, well-built, um, you know, large-muscled, broad-shouldered woman. Um, also dark skin with like a, a, a sort of like flowing God's breath sort of gown. Oh um, my God. And, and just like, he's like wearing the straw hat and he goes, as you can see, hang on. <clears throat> I 
gay as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a twist. I got myself an alter ego. Uh, Y'all can call me Lady Trey. <laughs> I hate how much I love it. <laughs> he points to the, to the straw hat, which is still on his head. Uh, her head. Uh, <laughs> points to that. Now, this thing here is uh, what you might call a hat of disguise. Basically, always uh, allows me to cast disguise self at will. Just take it off, putting it on again. Oh. So, uh, this... This is my alter ego I go around with sometimes, and this is how I go back to God's Breath for the festival without getting my, well, my shit kicked in. <laughs> like I said, my people, they ain't too keen on the Citadel and the Crystal Network. Now, they watch it. They don't want to be a part of it. And me coming in with my farmer's attitude when they don't really see me as a farmer type anymore. Plus, uh, well, there's more to my earlier story, but we'll get to that. They think you're just some flatlander. Yeah. I don't know what that means. God's breast pit flat. <laughs> really not a mountainous region there. <laughs> Sorry, that made a bit a little my personal bias. <laughs> so he uh, stands up, or she stands up. I don't know how to go about this now. <laughs> uh, they well, stand you up. Get, you got to keep track now. I know, right? They stand up and uh, move over to the door, uh, saloon doors, and looks back, and, and he's just like, "Or oh, you want to take that to go? You sure?" No, no, Ada, I'm fine. And remember, it's Lady Dre now. And uh, points to you guys. I'll be back in three days' time to collect y'all. We'll be taking the uh, the Jasper off world. She'll be about an eight o'clock travel time. Y'all understand? We'll be there. Well, doodaloo then. And she tips her hat and spins and steps out of the <laughs> over the tavern doors and steps out into the world outside. And they close behind Storyteller Orin. Zebulon reaches over and grabs the bowl of crawfish stew. <laughs> and he was watching you expectantly like, go on, eat it. Mulligan put his heart into that, so y'all especially need to eat. He points to you, Jules. I'm not hungry right now. Zebulon picks up his spoon. Is it, uh, <laughs> is it spicy? Well, yeah, of course. Excellent. I don't make not spicy food. Come on. It's the ugly coyote. We ain't the pale moonlight. <laughs> hey, fuck those guys over the yeah, pale moonlight. Fuck the pale moonlight. That's right. We hate those guys. Dude, I'm really surprised that when I said I'm not hungry, you did not say, well, Mulligan comes out of the kitchen and looks at you. <laughs> you, know, no, you, you look, he's there. He's there right now. He's at the door kind of peeking no, out. It does, no, it doesn't work like that. No, I, can't, I, I can't. No, it doesn't work like that. You can make that. I gave you the idea. You can't go back and say, oh, yeah, he is. Hey, Jules, God you, damn it, you, that face, David. Jules, okay, you, I eat some. What do you think <laughs> of my homemade seafood stock? <laughs> do, do you smile? How do you react? It's good. Is it good, Jules? Hey, Jules. Jules, Jules, hey, hey Jules, okay, Jules takes a bite, and then, because he's really not feeling happy right now, so he is, he is putting on the biggest performance <laughs> that he has ever put on to muster a genuine smile. And you actually see, like, a soft smile return to you from Mulligan, who tucks himself back into the kitchen, and you think maybe he's feeling just a little better. Mm. Mulligan, uh, what's in this, uh... He's back in the kitchen. <laughs> I already said. <laughs> Dead end. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, 
God, so dumb. All right. All right. Hey, Mulligan, give me the recipe. Uh, now, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to turn the clock a little bit. Um, just down to later that evening. I don't know if you guys... I imagine maybe you're spending a quiet day in after everything that's gone down. Yeah, I imagine Jeans isn't talking to me right now. And Chester's been gone all, all day with her yeah. upstairs. Zebulon spent the last two hours talking about the... Um, Recipe with Mulligan. <laughs> All right, you got the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, um, I think like as night's falling, you see Aders kind of like setting up his uh, his own sort of diamond that he's got. He's like blowing it up. It's all dusty covered. He's sticking it in like a projection crystal with a little diamond slot in there. And he's like, well, might as well get an eye on the the news here. Somewhere private. I think. uh what I've been hearing, this may be important to y'all. And he sets it up, and it flickers a life against the wall. And actually, I think there's actually some customers in here now. Um, so they're all kind of watching. Maybe a few cheers go up as they see something. Uh, an image appears of the uh, the great sort of gate uh, into the preserve of the ancestors, the, the sort of inside of the ethereal diamond where, you know, a lot of the governance gets done. And you watch as, like, the gates are opening slowly. You see, like... Uh, paparazzi, black and uh, yellow checkered vests everywhere. They're all excitable and jumping and, and trying to ask questions. You know, just like, just all this chatter um, as uh, a small group starts to move out of the inside. You see, first and foremost, the familiar red leather uh, uniform of Sturge Man, who is stepping out um, basically at the head of this small group. Behind him, you see this large object, object, like this almost human-sized, maybe like eight feet tall or so, um, crystal. And it's got these sort of golden ribbons running around it. It's kind of got this greenish hue. And as it moves further in, as the camera's panning in closer towards this, you can see there's a man inside, frozen solid, his face locked in this state of anguish. That's gross. I mean, I just pictured Han Solo, but... <laughs> it's not far from that. You see, like, the hands up, the eyes are open wide, and, like, staring out, unmoving. And maybe there's a part of you looking at this, looking at Kassam Arun, that wonders if those eyes can see, and if that mind can think while locked, preserved, and unmoving in that crystal prison. Next to it, you actually see this, um... This, uh, uh, what's called a pari, or peri. They're basically a type of lesser angel that are from Ankara and Sangar. They have these, uh, they're very tall with blue skin and glowing orange eyes. They got four great red wings coming off their back. Long black hair. It's got a shining breastplate over flowing white robes. You know, these guys are generally Atash's, uh, sort of enforcers, as well as, uh, the prison wardens for Zendayane Sabs, the sky prison. And you know, exactly where Kassam is going now. This Pari looks in, takes in the sights, doesn't speak a word, just nobly stares around, soft smile on their face as they, with one sort of open hand, direct the glowing, floating crystal uh, along with them. Likely their their own magic sort of uh, creating and, and, and sort of uh, holding it together. A Sturge man steps forward and everyone's, Sturge man, Sturge man, Sturge man, can I get a statement? Can we get a statement from you? What are your thoughts in this case? Uh, just from paparazzi coming over. Sturgeon puts his hands up and people kind of move in. It is my pleasure to see justice done here. 
There are some that may feel 300 years is too long a sentence for this one's crimes, but they lack understanding. Any doctor will tell you that an infection cannot linger inside its host's body, not without endangering that host. Bad blood must be drained from the veins of society. That will always be my creed. Are, are the rumors true? Are the rumors to your assistance in catching this criminal? He kind of like looks around. This is true. Though the others involved have asked that they not be revealed. More just like, rah, 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 more shouts and version. Is there anything you would say to them now, given the chance? And I think there's a long moment where he stops and thinks. And then turns back to that one particular uh, paparazzi member. Only that justice has been done today. Justice for murderers. And there's a slight pause where he seems to look directly into the crystal watching him. And for thieves. And watching this, because you figured it out outside, I want to give your characters the benefit of this revelation. Your minds flash back then to the day you met Rune Rusong when he challenged you with that little mock battle. When you walked away angry and he was trying so hard to coax you back into his arms, into his loving embrace. And he was telling you about his prospects as an agent. You remember now him saying, I even helped some of the big ones. Sturge man, that was me. And you remember, me Jules, you remember uh, on your walking back from the Dinsing Night Market on Sposunko, having small talk, and I imagine Zebulon was geeking out about Sturge man, and me dropped that little fact that he realized in the moment that Sturge man carries amongst them many magical tools. One of them being his proboscis uh, sturge mask, which also functions as a helm of telepathy, giving him the ability to read thoughts. You remember him asking you, dead on, what you would call home, where home is for you. You remember, Jules, that you thought of the Cherry Delights, and Zebulon, you thought of the Ugly Coyote. The best way you could be hurt and where that weakness lies, delivered to him. And you remember he left right after. Jules turns to Zeb. I will kill that fucking gnome. I think Zebulon meets your gaze, but doesn't respond. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that it's, it's great because you have this moment where you both realize this at the same time. And when you look at each other, as you say these sort of cryptic lines, you know, you both know what the other's thinking. You've just kind of gotten to this this point where we're on each other's level so hard. I love that. I love it. As the... Oh, guess there's no sun. As the crystal re-illuminates the, the fossil uh, once the city is built around it, as, like, this brilliant light shines out, and, well, essentially morning hits the radiant citadel, you awaken to... Uh, uh, slamming open of the saloon door downstairs. I imagine you're upstairs, and you hear a voice go, Ugh, disgusting, awful, it's... How can anyone live here? Zebulon, Jules, down here, now! Wait, now he's the first one awake? (laughs) (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Hey, it's a good question. Uh, You guys go downstairs? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm not happy about it, but... <laughs> you, you both, like, I imagine sleepy-eyed from them the stairs. I think Chester's also with you, too, moving down. Um, as you step down to them, you see John Franklin is looking at you, and he looks unbelievably irritable. He's got, like, sleep lines under his eyes. He looks exhausted. 
And he's just like, there you are. <laughs> Having fun here in the Gugly Coyote. This is disgusting. Why you won't stay at the Pale Moonlight, I can't understand. But listen, anyway, I am John, exhausted. No, John. no, I will have my say. We don't. I have been out all night. We don't looking discuss for agent the Pale after agent. <laughs> <laughs> agent after agent, and none of them, none of them have, have, have had any hope of taking us on. Turned down again and again and again. I have done things I am not proud of. John, sit down. I have down. tried so John. hard to find. I don't understand John. how we're going to make. What? Sit down. Why? We, we have, have work to do. Good news. What news? Sit. No! <laughs> he stomps his foot. <laughs> He's Here, so angry. Have, have, so have some crawfish stew. It's, it's spicy. He like takes one sniff and slaps it off the table. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Get out. John, get out. <laughs> Look, alright, alright. I'm <sighs> Go back I'm, to the pale moonlight in with your kind. I'm sorry. It has been a very frustrating evening trying to be find an agent for two people who seem to have some sort of blacklist here. John! What? Fucking listen to what Zeb's trying to tell you. What are you trying to tell me? We have a prospect. What do you mean a prospect? You found an agent? You found an agent. Well, I mean, in a manner of speaking, yes. What? We, we just... <laughs> Why? How? We just when? have to complete I... a job. A bodyguard gig. And then that's it. We're going to be on the network. You're, you're telling me the truth, really. J Jules. Yes. R roll an insight check. I don't care. Fine. I'll roll an insight check on you. The first roll of the episode. It was high. <laughs> so then you tell me. <laughs> you actually roll for Jean, but oh well. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird middle ground. Um, so he's looking at you, and he kind of just like, his eyes widen, and then he does just collapse into a seat. Why... Did I do all that work then? Well, you did that yourself. Why did didn't you tell me you found an agent? I'll just pick up my cell phone, give you a call, let <laughs> you know what's going on. You knew where I was most of the time, the Pale Moonlight, room 11. Neither of us are setting foot in the goddamn Pale Moonlight. We're not going there. So much John. better than this dirty... We're not going there. Even if there's a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Alright. I'm gonna assume you fill Jono on everything, right? You probably sit down, he's 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 exhausted, he finally shuts his mouth for a moment, and you can just like give him the whole load. Dump info. I yeah. imagine Chester's probably already heard all this the day before, mm -hmm. but he's listening and probably yep. cutting in here and there to give it updates. And you you fill him in and he's just nodding. I see. Well, that's huh. Well, if we're going to take up this job, uh, some sort of bodyguard gig, we really need to update your equipment situation. Now, listen, listen. I, I do have some means, as you know. I am this, a, this is a, standard I'm not issue. A, a nobody. Not you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not some nobody, after all. But I will say a lot of my money is tied up in things. I have to, uh, I'm used to a certain life of luxury. I'm used to certain foods and resting conditions, you understand. So I've already kind of paid ahead at the Pale Moonlight for some time. But I suppose I could front you. A hundred each. If you promise to use it properly to make sure we survive. In fact, I'm your sidekick, aren't I? So perhaps I should be taking some of that for my own equipment situation. I've been meaning to buy a shield for some time. Well, what, what does it mean to 
front us 200 gold. Well, I mean, do we have to pay you 300 gold back? Like, what is going on here? I mean, I'd uh, love yeah. if you'd pay me back the 200, but if you can't make it, whatever, it's better I stay alive and you stay alive and we have a chance at, well, my goals than nothing at all. So here, and he just slides 100 gold to each of you. Hey. I mean, if you, if you say so. Um, he just kind of gives you a terse nod. Well, you did find an agent. At least you did some work. <laughs> so it was like a musical reward for. Oh yeah, yeah. He he nods heroically towards you because the music said so. Uh, no, um, yeah. So I'm gonna ask you guys right now. Uh, we're gonna cut some time here because you got a few days before the next mission, and during this time, I imagine you're gonna do some shopping. Uh, you're literally in the trade disc golf. Uh, you can buy almost anything on the Radiant Citadel. I mean, come on. This is where this is the main trading hub between 25 worlds. There's almost nothing you can't find. So, let me ask you right now. I actually made uh, these players do a little homework this week. Uh, what are you buying, uh, Zebulon? You go first. Um, I am buying Jean his shield. Thank you. <laughs> I will take that. I'm buying some more um, ball bearings to replenish Ooh. what I already used. That's fun. I'm upgrading those a little bit. I'm also buying some caltrips that That's work similarly, nice. but they're a little more gnarly. It's so fun. And uh, then I'm spending 50 gold, half of this this loot drop on a single health potion. Oh. Uh, hey, you know, that might save your life. Hoping yep. so. Hoping so. I uh, I already informed these players that this next adventure we're going on is going to be incredibly deadly. Good thing I've got one health potion. Good thing you've I mean, got yeah, one health it potion. It sounds like you might have to use it on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you're the healer, so if you're down, someone's yep. got to heal you. Yep. Oh, boy. Uh, on that note, Jules, what are you getting to keep yourself uh, alive? On, on the note of possibly having to use the health potion on me, <laughs> both myself and Chester have shit for AC. You do. I am currently at 11, and Chester Oof. is at 12. And, like, you Oof. guys never start with armor. It just didn't really fit the characters nope, to have any nope. armor. I, 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 had, I had studded leather armor for flavor at the beginning of the campaign. Oh, did you? And, yeah. I remember that. At, okay. the, at the beginning of the campaign. But it was, I th- I'm, it was pretty sure it was just for, like, flavor. It was, like, shredded and, up and, bad armor. Right, <laughs> and, and, and to give me at least a bit of a bump against the... I don't know, you call them zappies. <laughs> so I'm going to buy each of us a piece of armor. All right. Hell yeah. So uh, Jules, nice. uh, I'm proficient in only light armor, unfortunately. So I am actually getting real studded leather armor, uh, which... <laughs> That's a lot, <laughs> which, right? Uh, no, it brings me up to 12 from 11. Not still. Plus my dex modifier, which is zero. That's full studded leather? I mean, I think they'd, that's isn't that stu- that's, super pricey? That's studded leather. I mean, oh, that's 45. Okay, yeah. So it's only 45. Pricey, not too bad, not too bad. And then Chester's getting a bigger, bigger boon than I am on it. Uh, I'm getting him a chain shirt, which is 50 gold. Yeah, Chester as a as sort of a yes. uh, sort of watered-down ranger. Right. He's pretty tough. Yeah, so, he, so he's able to get the medium armor. I'm getting him a chain shirt, which gives him 13 AC plus his dex, which is 2. So he's he's got an AC of 15 now. Oh, and and I, I like to think you step out of the store. Oh, sorry, Stephen, go ahead. I, I did offer you earlier to take mm-hmm. some of Zebulon's bank if you wanted to buy Chester something better than a dagger. Oh, he's got a he's got a short bow too. Yeah, but if well, you I mean, want to buy a, a better melee is... weapon, because I think I've only spent like seventy or eighty 
of the hundred gold. I mean, his his dagger is a plus four to hit. Damage is one d four plus two. Right, but if you wanted to buy him like a short sword to give him like one d six, it's okay, only well, like it's probably what, like five or ten gold. Let's see. I think it's more than that. For short sword? Uh, it might let, be more than let, that. I'm pretty sure it's more than that. Let me just let me let me just see real quick. Hold on. Okay, so a short sword. Oh, it's actually ten gold. It's ten gold. Yeah, but it's yeah. also but it's, it's 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 one d six damage. No, yeah, that's a huge difference. No, it's not. Between one d four, one d four plus two. Well, yeah, well, but yeah, you get the I same guess. bonus. It's an average one damage higher, I believe. It's yeah. Is and he I, gonna I, lose? It, is he gonna lose the plus two by wielding a short sword? No, no, he can, he he'll, he has provisions. Also, it'll still it'll still will it still be the plus four to hit though? Yeah, uh, it's a plus. Yeah, because he gets a proficiency in simple weapons, right? So any simple weapon, he'll get the same. Yeah, yeah, he gets it. He'll still get the plus four to hit. Yes, same as the it'll be same as a dagger. So do you give him the short sword too? How much gold do you have left? I don't know. I didn't count it out. Um, the potion do you, do you, do you, was potion you. was fifty. Okay. The shield is. I think the shield's only like five. You can have. You, I'm sure you have ten gold left after yeah, the caltra. Yeah, definitely. you definitely have ten gold. What about fifteen? I, th- I think there is I think probably like, 20 gold left. I would say 20 gold sounds about right to me. Well, and, okay. and I started with 25 gold, so or 28 gold or whatever. So I take that from you. So what, what about a 15 gold Warhammer? Yeah, I'm that, that is 1d8 bludgeoning? Let me... Oh, yeah, actually, Warhammers are small. Yeah, he can wear that. He can and, use that. And, and it's also versatile. So that could be 1d10 if he's wielding it two-handed, which I think that is the only way that he would wield it. Shit. He doesn't have two-handed proficiency in anything. Chester with a warhammer. If he's taking a swing, he's not going to be doing a short bow. I want to. I want to do something with this actually. Um, as you're kind of going through like shops, I think you see Chester wearing like his his chain armor now with his bow slung over his shoulder, his quiver on his back, and he's looking more like he always looked like just kind of a, a random street rat, you know. Suddenly Chester's got this look of like an actual warrior about him, and you're starting to realize the sort of like muscular physique that's, that's been building under his long jacket, which I he still like, kind of has tucked over his armor and everything. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. I think he's walking through the shop, and yeah. he looks over like maybe he's looking at swords, and his eye moves over to like a warhammer. And his eyes linger on it for a while. And he looks over at you. Hey, Jules. <laughs> Get a load of that, huh? Miss Kimball loses shit, right? You always want one like that. Nice warhammer. Uh, Jules is going to look over to Zeb. Think you can spot him? <laughs> I mean, you think you can even wield something like that? I mean, yeah. Go Let's ahead. just say I've had a... Pick it up. A rough time of things. I learned a thing or two. He steps over and he yanks up the shelf and sort of like immediately swings it around pretty pretty comfortably around his head. Um, kind of, and then Chopper is like, hey, 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 stop that there. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but yeah, I can wield it. Wow, you didn't even have to roll for that. Damn. Why do I need to roll for it? I'm a ranger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zeb pulls out his purse and... <laughs> what, he's got a coin purse. What's the matter with that? He's a modern man. <laughs> I, yeah, mean, I, I mean, you didn't preface it with coin the first time. You just said purse. I should probably should make sure, right? Rangers actually are proficient in uh, non-simple weapons before I... Uh, uh, it's a martial weapon. Is that a non-simple weapon? Fuck. No, it looks, oh, like, they, it looks like they are uh, martial. Oh, shit. Oh, sweet. Awesome. Just double-checking one more sight source real quick. So, yeah, he see him swinging around. Um he tucks it into his back and again like you just look at Chester and like this small frame this 15 year old boy you know freckle face and wild red hair uh, big gap teeth is just suddenly starting to look like 
and like kind of a badass. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna look down at Chester, and I'm gonna take my hand, and just kind of like a like a proud dad moment. I'm gonna take <laughs> my hand and just kind of pat the side of his face and his chin. Hey, come on, Jules, come on. Hey, hey, <laughs> Pro- public man. Proud of you, Sex kid. watching. <laughs> He's blushing. <laughs> He's, he looks a little bit less like a warrior, more like a kid for this for this moment. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Uh, and from that, I'm gonna say, a few days pass. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on during this time period? Um, Zebulon wants to find Pepper. Oh yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, honestly, before those few days pass, on like the first day, Pepper would come back at some point. Um, yeah, let's let's do this. Uh, he walks back in, his ears down, almost to the floor, just like this really sad rabbit walk, just barely like 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 any speed at all, just step, step. Um, he looks up. Oh, hey, Zeb. I'm really sad about the thing that happened. <laughs> um, you know, with the kids. I mean, Pepper. I that, liked them. They were nice. I know that 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 oh. wasn't that wasn't your fault, Pepper. It was my fault. I came here, and and then they, uh, I didn't realize that you guys and Rue were were like bad, bad, you know. Uh, Pepper, um, I should have told you sooner that Rue knew where you were. He's sniffing, He's really crying a little bit. It wasn't. It wasn't your fault. Sturge Man had everything to do with this. Sturge Man. He would have been here with or without you. Oh. Rune used you. Oh. Well, uh, I'm gonna get that guy. Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm going right now. No, I mean, no, there's no. Oh, there's a time and a place for everything. Oh, and and Rune will get his due. Um, but we're not ready yet for that. You can trust me when I tell you. When it's time for Rune to get his, we're gonna give it to him together. I don't know what I should do. Uh, well, that guy, the the guard, the shield bearer guy, uh, he was right. I am kind of wanted in God's breath, and if he knows, then soon they're all going to know. Once they all know, they're going to come get me. I got to leave the Citadel, and I don't want to leave you because they're my new friends, and I don't have any friends, and I don't know where to go because God's breath, I, I can't go back there. Uh, well, well, I I think, Pepper, I think we might have a, a solution. Huh? His ears um. prick up. <laughs> Un- until such time that we need to get room back. Yeah. How would you feel about a job? A job? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like those. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean. How many people do I have to beat up? That's what Rune had me do. Uh, no, no. It's gonna be. Remember, cause I beat you up. It, it's gonna be simpler than that. Oh. It's gonna be um. Well, I, I mean, Jean said that you should be a farmer. Yeah, I was good at it. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did oh. you like it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Back so, on God's breath. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. So we kind of want wanted to know if you would want to do something like that. I, I, I can't go back to God's breath. No, oh, it, oh. It, it would be on Shepsunko. His ears prick all the way. I, I like Shepsunko. Yeah. Um, oh. Remember the remember the pepper shop? I do. Yeah. Yeah. They were nice peppers. They were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we were we were thinking that you would want to grow those peppers and and sell them. <laughs> Really? With a uh, 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 they take me? Well, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of up to us. You guys, you guys hooked me up 
with a sweet new gig? Well, yeah, Pepper, of course we're going to hook you up. Oh, oh Pepper. We said so. We said so. I'm cry, I'm cry laughing. <laughs> we, can we keep our promises? He, uh, he just kind of like cries a little, wipes his, wipes his eyes. When can I start? Whatever I can do to help you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as soon as you're able. All right, and, and wow, wow, <laughs> I'm going to start a pepper shop. Uh, what do I call it? Zebulon's Peppers. Well. No. <laughs> no. Jules Hot Stuff. No. I, I like that one. I'll keep workshopping. Uh, I'll think of something. You keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I imagine the following day, he takes the noon ruby, probably with like some written parchment from you, describing the situation, what you want him to do. And he brings us straight to Madame Colt. Hell and I yeah. think that's the last you see of Pepper before you head to God's Breath. He just waving farewell for furiously, arm like side to side as he's moving onto the ruby. Good luck, Pepper! Steven, that deserves a high five. Nice job. All right. It's Great. Been many episodes coming. Yep. Awesome. One more thing I want to touch on before we wrap this up and go into the, the day. Of your departure. This is going to take place on the very night before. Jules. Yes. You've noticed that throughout this last few days, Fibro has been reading non-stop. You don't even know when he's been sleeping. If he's been sleeping. Just flipping page after flipping page. And you know that he's done this before. When he's gotten down, he's been like diving into his magical studies and this mm-hmm. and that. And now he's got these books on history and lore. And he's just been like, just, just completely devoting himself to just diving into them, really trying to learn what he can and just not think about anything outside. You know, that's always been his way. Just sitting at a corner table downstairs with one like like candle lighting his, his, his sort of pages as he reads and reads and reads. I imagine maybe you leave him to it, knowing that's just how he copes. But finally, yep. on the night before, he kind of looks up at one point. Uh, hey Jules? Yeah, what's up, Fibro? Can I ask you a question? Anything. His eyes are like wide and super tired looking. Uh, all right. Um, so <laughs> this is uh, interesting stuff here. So I've been reading about Subsunko uh, in these books. I almost finished both of them. And wow, <laughs> it's amazing. You, you are there. Is it true? The, the mountain range around the, around the valley, is it? It's really as tall as they say and almost straight on the other side. And it's really there. There's really a range guarding these mount- th- th- this valley. Yeah. And it's a beautiful mountain range. Jules, you don't understand. That's incredible. I mean, they say, both these books, uh, say that, that, that a single sorcerer, Fime Moon, climbed up this, this mountain in the middle of the, the valley and, speaking to the spirits, summoned this entire mountain range to, to guard against an outside threat. Now, that's crazy, right? This is this is magic on such a high level. I couldn't believe it. These these spirits in the land. I, <laughs> I mean, no human can do this, right? I've never heard of something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. I, I, I... Wow. <laughs> and he's just like, he's just like phasing out just a bit like, 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 like. What are you telling me, Fibro? I, I, I just, I don't know. I, this, this idea that like, that, that this human could, could call upon some spirits and just, I mean, uh, what are these spirits? Do you know anything about them? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's like some wild kind of unknown magic. And even though the lore and stories, it's almost what he's trying to get to is they're not, it's not well described how this process happened. How did one singular person manage to raise uh, an entire mountain range? 
I mean, there's this idea that he called upon the land, the spirits of the land, which is a, a huge part of Sunko's culture and kind of local um, reverence and religion. That's... That the land spirits are like an important part of it. And you do know one more thing about these land spirits. You know a term connected to them. Shadra Khan. Do you say that out loud? I look over at Zeb. Shadra Khan. No. No. Shab. Wait, Vizier? Vizier Drakhan. Vizier Drakhan. Vizier Drakhan. So, Vizier Drakhan is Vizier one who can speak with the spirits. Shadrakhan is, is what place. you know as the land, the land where spirits come she, from. The land she is the Laupop flowers. He are nods at that. Covering the mountains. Yes, the Laupop flowers. That's actually what they say here. They were born, created when the mountains are born. As part of the same ritual. It's amazing how this stuff can last for thousands and thousands of years. People barely even remember how this happened. They, this, this predates the union of the world. This predates the citadel. And no one knows anything about these, these, these spirits. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, right? So are we scrapping God's breath and going back to subsidio? <laughs> <laughs> He's just asking you questions. I mean, do you say, did you say Shadra Khan in front of him? Yes. Because I don't think you've, you probably haven't brought these terms up with Vibro. Well, I think I think I said, sh- said say Shadra Khan, and I don't want to speak for Zeb, but I imagine, I mean, you just said the same thing, maybe it was in character, but Mazir Drakhan. Shadra what? Drakhan what? That means something, Jules? I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. It's just, what's it mean? The words. Does it, that you just said words. Gibberish words. It's a spirit world. A spirit world. Yes, that's what I was told. Like a, a separate world for spirits. I, I don't know. That. Where'd you hear that? Because that doesn't look. That 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 contradicts what the history and the lore book here say uh, about about uh, uh, the world of Subsunco. I mean, the, the basically what they say is the spirits predated humans. They it was their world first. Humans came along, and all humans and all the other, uh, you know. Half elves, elves. Uh, in this case, a lot of dragonborn, gnomes, and, and such and such, uh, orcs. Um, they came along, and, and they were led to to creating the society by the spirits and the land. So, I I, I don't know. There's nothing about here about a world that uh, the spirits belong to. Steven, you can feel free to take over on this because I feel like I'm missing something. Well, no, I, you're not. You're I not. don't think Zebulon's there. You're not. You're not missing anything. He's just. He's I just don't know. Out, he's just pointing out contradiction. You're doing good. I don't, I don't know what else to say. I will say, not every scene has an answer. Not every scene is me guiding or something. Some scenes are me just bringing up new questions because questions need to be brought up to be answered later. Fyro's just curious. Okay, then that's that. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, end of scene. <laughs> you just kept asking questions like you're trying to lead me to, to an answer. No, no, he's, he's, <laughs> he was just curious. He, just, he, he It's the character. He's yeah, a curious he's, he's, boy. He's a curious boy. He's, he's, this is going to be and, a mess of a scene to cut and edit. He's basically just um, saying what he's saying, that like the idea of a, a Shadra Khan, a world of spirits, contradicts all the history and lore of the world, which is inherently interesting to him. You keep reading Fibro, okay? He actually, I I'll, will say one more thing, if that's okay. I'll yeah. allow it. <laughs> um, he's kind of like on a roll now and he sees like actually it's fascinating you see and he kind of grabs one of those other books he was holding the other day uh, a God's Breath book that he got from Ader he's, and he flips it open and he's like you see um, it's actually very similar to the way God's Breath was founded as well I don't know you know about God's Breath but uh, there's, uh, there's uh, some beings known as the Covenant Gods five gods local to the land uh, and they're also shrouded in mystery all we know about them is they're these, these thin uh, beings long of limb and neck 
uh, that, that apparently brought the folk of Godbreath to a new land long ago when they were they were being uh, assaulted by some mysterious aggressor. And they were brought to a, pro a promise and, and the ribbon and, and the farmlands they now use. And, and, and it's it's just like uh, the story of Sunko, right? These sort of ancient beings. I mean, it's, it's so wild. Every one of their worlds has their own cultures, their own gods, their own religions, and, and yet they all seem to culminate in the same story. So, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm, no, I know. You have no, a lot on your no, mind. No, I, I'm no, just no, excited. No. I, no. I meant that when I said it. You keep reading. Oh. You keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, of course, yeah. And you're... honestly, if you're ever around New World, please, if you have the goal, if you have the time, bring me back a book. I, I love to read more. Maybe I can help you in some way by diving into these these these, these tomes. <laughs> I'll bring you as many as I can, okay? You, you keep doing what you're doing. Please. He actually, like, despite his exhaustion, smiles this big smile. Like, he just feels like he's been given this this grand quest by, by Jules LaRoe. He's, he's just, like, <laughs> nodding. Huh, yeah, 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 Jules, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he's just, like, gets right back to it. Um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That was a mind fuck. <laughs> Books aren't cheap, by the way. I think they're, like, 25 gold apiece. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if it if it solves the the pro the the entire problem of this yeah, universe, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll make it rain. Hell yeah! So that's like the end of that evening. You guys rest. You know you need to rest well and be prepared because the next day sees you leaving. And once again, the windows of the coyote fill with light as the ethereal diamond pulses to life, and morning comes the Radiant Citadel. The morning of your departure to God's breath. And we'll call it there. 